Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. Uh, we had a good week this past week, for those of you who don't know. Um, I was in Georgia for the majority of the week. Uh, we had a minister's conference where uh, the other ministers uh, within the conference, uh, we meet up in uh, Georgia and Atlanta. Um, and so I had a good time spending uh, some fellowship with the fellow pastors uh, within the Church of God and also some of the uh, Bible college students down there, the Atlanta Bible College um, where, where I graduated from. Um, so it was a good and it was a needed time uh, for myself to refresh myself, get some ideas, and to just be encouraged um, from everyone else. And then we also spent Friday in South Carolina, got to hang out with Jamie's family and see some of our friends. So we had a good week, uh, but it's good to be back and it's good to see you all uh, this, this fine Sunday morning. So last Sunday, uh, we started a series uh, entitled Giving God Your Best, and we're going to be spending a couple of weeks talking about the resources that we have and giving the best of the resources that we have back to God. Last week, we talked about our resource of effort, and we kind of had the theme verse of Colossians 3.23, which states, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. And that was kind of a theme throughout Paul's letters was give it your best shot. Give God your best effort no matter what you are doing. It Give it your all. Give 100% effort. And effort is a beautiful thing because effort is 100% on you. There's nothing, there's no one that can stop you from giving 100% effort. That also means, as we talked about last week, that means we don't have any excuse for when we don't give 100% effort. But God wants our best effort. He wants 100% from us. And so we should give God our best effort, 100% effort, whether at home, at work, at school, at church, whatever it may be, whatever you are doing, give God 100% effort and give him the glory. So that's what we talked about last week as we started this series, Giving God Your Best. Today we're going to be talking about giving God your best time. Uh, time uh, is a very valuable resource. And, and I know we've talked about this issue of uh, giving God our time uh, on a number of occasions uh, already. Um, but uh, the, the reason why, why I think it's important that we talk about the time that we give to God um, is one, because I believe it's a valuable resource. And two, I think that the church in America, generally speaking, is very poor at giving their time to God. I mean, we, we compare and contrast the church today to the church in Acts, the first church, the early church, and uh, we are very mild and we are very tame compared to the church in Acts, the early church. The early church, they met daily. They, made, they met daily with one another, broke the bread, and, and they fellowshiped with one another, and, and they were digging into the scriptures on a daily basis, and, and they were facing harsh persecutions, and, and, and these persecutions forced them to stick out like a sore thumb. Or like a sore finger uh, that JJ had earlier this week. And, and, and so that was required of them in the first century. But today, for, for better and worse, we're not really required to stick out like a sore thumb like they were back in the early church. And again, there, there, there's some benefits to that. Like we, we don't have to have the fear of being persecuted uh, as we are fellowshipping and worshiping together. And, and that can be relieving. But at the same time, 
we can kind of get complacent with our faith because uh, the church in America, you know, we can kind of just blend in with everybody and we can kind of do what else, uh, what, what the society is doing. And so there's benefits and, and there's harms in, in living in a society, in an era in which we aren't required to stick out like a sore thumb as much as they did in the first century. The first century uh, church, the, the church in Acts, led by uh, John and Paul and Peter and James and so forth. And so our time is very, very important. I believe that our time is the most valuable resource. That's probably nothing new to you guys. You guys have probably heard that, that your time is your most valuable resource that you have. You can't get any more time than what you have. You, you, you can't buy time. You, you can't buy to where you have 25 hours in a day. We have 24 hours in a day, whether you like it or not. And we should be giving our most valuable resource, which is time, back to God. And, we, and not only should we be giving it back to God, but we should be giving God the best of our time. Because, because again, time is so, so valuable. And I hope you all realize the, the, the value in your time, more valuable than gold, money, whatever it may be. Your time is your most valuable resource that you have. You know, me, a young guy, I long for the day when I no longer need nine hours of sleep to feel fully rested. The older you get, the, the studies show the, the less sleep you need to feel fully rested. Rested, And now rarely do I hit that nine-hour nine mark, but I, I covet the day in which I can sleep seven hours and feel fully rested. I mean, that, that's, a two, that's two extra hours in my day when, when I have seven hours sleep. So I, so I find the value in, in the, the limited amount of time that we have because, again, time is our most valuable resource that we have. And so again, as we're talking about giving God your best, giving God our best, uh, different resources that, that we have access to, time is a resource that we must talk about in this series, giving God your best. And so there's many ways in which we can give God our time. You know, like uh, we can give God our time by singing songs of praise as a worship team leads us. We can be giving God our time by serving the people out in the community. We can be giving God our time by serving his church. We can be giving God our time by evangelizing. And there's so many different ways in our daily lives in which we can give God back his time that he has given to us. Because I don't know if you know this, but, but every single second that you've been given was given from God the Father. And, and so it's just a matter of giving God back the time that he gave us. And so there's so many different ways in which we can give back our time to God. However, our, our main focus today is going to be on two main practical ways in which we can give God our time. And, and before I say it, I, I know we've talked about this issue a, a, a number of times because I see the value. And, and those two main things are reading your Bible and, and praying. And again, we've talked about these a handful of times, but it's so important. I believe this is the, the most important instrument in having a personal relationship with God is your personal prayer life and your personal devotional life. I think that is the single biggest indicator of your relationship with God. I, I don't think there's any better indicator of the relationship that, that you have with God than, than by your prayer life and your devotional life. And so I, I strongly want to encourage you all to, to have a strong prayer life and a strong devotional life. 
And both praying and reading God's word, the Bible, are both habits that we should exhibit on a daily basis. A daily basis, we, we should be diving into God's scripture, and on a daily basis, we should be communicating with the, the creator of the heavens and the earth through prayer. On a daily basis, and this is not just something that I think. This isn't just some radical idea that I've come up with that say, hey, we should pray every day and we should read God's Bible every day. No, th th this is supported by Scripture. I, I get these ideas from Scripture. You don't need to turn there, but, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, the second shortest uh, 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 verse, it says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing ceasing. Paul, Paul says that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, you, you can look it up if you don't believe me, but I can assure you, it says something like that. Pray without ceasing or pray continually. And so we need to continuously be praying to God. As Paul writes in this letter and as Paul is telling us all that we need to be praying to God without ceasing. Now, I remember as a little kid uh, reading this verse and thinking, pray without ceasing? That means I can never stop praying. I have to be praying 24-7. How in the world are we supposed to accomplish this? Now, now uh, we, we can dig into the context and, and see what Paul means here. No, you don't need to be praying 24-7. Yes, you can do other things with your life, like reading your Bible. Um, uh, but we are to pray without ceasing. That means that there, there shouldn't be an end to your prayer life. You, you shouldn't be praying here on Sunday morning and say, you know what, God, that's it. I'll take the week off and I'll pray to you next week. No, there should, no, there should be no end to your prayer life, but, but it should be continuous, kind of like how we eat continually or, or we drink water uh, on a daily basis continually without ceasing. If you cease to drink water, you would die. You would die. If you cease to eat food for an extended amount of time, you would die. And here, there's similarities in that in which we should, not, or we should not cease to pray to God. Pray without ceasing. Your prayer life should be continuous. You should be praying to God all throughout your day. And again, no, that doesn't mean you can never end your prayer, but spend that alone time with God in prayer. Then also as you're driving, as you're in the shower, as you're taking a test, whatever it may be, just continually have that conversation with your heavenly Father. Have that conversation with the maker of the heavens and the earth. And so here we see that prayer needs to be a daily habit. Paul says even more than a daily habit, we need to be praying without ceasing. You know, that, that's, taken, uh, that's taken it a step further. That, that's more than it just being a daily habit, but praying without ceasing. But not only are we to be praying on a daily basis, but I believe that we're to be reading our, our Bibles on a daily basis, reading God's Word on a daily basis. If you have uh, your Bibles with you, you can open up to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and, and this is going to be a passage that we've also read a, a couple of times, but we're going to read it uh, with, with a, a different purpose behind it. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verses 4 through 9, um, if you remember, we've we read the scripture a couple of times. It's known as the Shema. As you'll see in verse 4, it starts with hear. Shema is the Hebrew word for hear or to listen. And so it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 
And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So that's the Shema, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your might. And so that's the Shema. That, that's the, what, what the Israelites were to do. And that's not really our focus for this morning, but uh, I couldn't help and read verses 6 through 9 and also read verse 4 and 5, as that's the single most important passage in the whole Old Testament, the Shema. And, and so it continues in verse 6, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." So here, they're, they're, they're taking this bit of scripture, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your might, or with all of your strength. They're saying that these words shall be on your heart constantly. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So in other words, these words should be on our hearts, and these words should be on our lips constantly throughout our day. We should be teaching them to our children. We should, we should be talking about these words as we go walking on our way. We should be talking of these words as we rise in the morning. We should be talking of these words as we, as we go to sleep. So basically, these words, God's word is to be on our lips constantly. They're to be on our heart constantly. And in verse 8 and 9, it says, You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And the Jews literally did this. They literally had a, had a tiny scroll of the Shema, and they had like a tiny box, and they would strap it around their forehead, and they would have it on their doorposts as well. So whenever they entered their house, they would see the words of God. And this is just one passage this is just one passage that was to be on the lips and the hearts of the Jews daily, continuously. And so all the more is the entirety of God's word to be on our hearts and to be on our lips on a daily basis. We should be teaching our, our children. We should be talking about them when we sit in our house or when we go somewhere or when we wake up or when we go to sleep. They should constantly be on our lips and they should constantly be on our hearts because God's word is so, so important. And, and there's so many benefits of having God's word on your lips and on your heart continuously without ceasing. I mean, I believe you, you can say this about the scripture as well. We're to be talking of God's word without ceasing. I mean, I think you can say that as we're supposed to be talking to our children when we sit in our house, when we go and we walk by the way, when we, when we lie down, when we rise. They should constantly be on our mind and on our lips and on our heart. Then also we see in, in the book of Psalms, Psalm uh, the first psalm, Psalm 1, we, we see, uh, again, talking about the importance of uh, reading God's word continuously. And, and verse 1 of the first psalm, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its seasons, and its leaf does not weather, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, 
but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So here in this first psalm, if you didn't catch that, they're, they're contrasting the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And, and they're comparing and contrasting the two. And it talks about, in the verse two uh, verses, uh, the, the way of a righteous person. A righteous person doesn't stand in the counsel of the wicked. They don't stand the way of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So a righteous person has his delights in the law, and a righteous person meditates on God, uh, on the law, both day and night. And so now the, the audience of the people of the book of Psalms, they didn't have access to the rest of the Old Testament. They didn't have access to the New Testament. But what they did have access to was the books of the law, as, as, as you'll see as they talk about delight in the law of the Lord. That's the first five books uh, of the scripture, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Our youth and the ladies in our Tuesday morning uh, ladies Bible study, they're all experts on the books of the law as we've been going uh, through uh, the first five books and, and trying to make our way through uh, the Old Testament. Uh, but, but that's all they had access to was just the first five books. And here the psalmist says that the righteous take delight in those first five books of the Bible. And the righteous will meditate on those first five books of the Bible both day and night. That's what the righteous person does. And again, he contrasts it to the wicked and how the wicked will not stand in the judgment. And in verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so we, if we want to be a righteous one of God, we, we need to be meditating on God's word. Our delight needs to be on God's word. Let me tell you, if they had enough stuff to meditate both day and night on the first five books of the Bible, then surely we have enough to, to both meditate and read both day and night on the entire 66 books of the Bible. That's over 13 times as many books as they had access to in the time of the Psalms. And so both day and night, again, we, we get this theme, we get this idea that, that we should be reading God's word on a daily basis. Both day and night, meditating on God's word. That, that's a good practice to do, meditating um, a practice that, that I should be doing uh, more often. And if I had to guess, probably most of us uh, should be doing more, more often, just meditating on God's word. But we get this idea of reading God's word both day and night on a daily basis. And so again, as we go through this series, Giving God Your Best, we're talking about different resources that we give to God. And we shouldn't be just giving these resources to God. We should be giving the best of our resources to God. So we're talking about our time, our time in prayer, and our time in reading God's word. And again, there's many other ways in which we can give God our time, like singing to him, serving at the church, and we talked about those. There's many other ways, but really the two main points that I want to bring to you guys today is your time in prayer and your time in reading God's word. And I hope that we are giving God the best of our time. Because God is so, so good to us. 
And so the least we can do is give him the best of our most valuable resource, which is time. We should be giving God the best of our time. And you know, in the past, I've, of, I've often uh, stressed the importance of people spending 10 to 15 minutes reading your Bible and, and praying to God. But as we're going through the series and as I was thinking about it, that's, that's kind of troubling uh, to me uh, because 10 to 15 minutes is nowhere near the best of our time. It's not even close. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, 10 to 15 minutes is just the scraps of our time. It's the scraps of our time that we can give back to God. And again, I, I, I've stressed this in the past, uh, uh, trying to get you guys to exhibit the daily habit of reading and praying, just starting 10 to 15 minutes. But, but that's the point. It's a great start. It's a f- phenomenal start. It would do so many people so good to spend 10 to 15 minutes in prayer and in reading God's word. It would do so many people so good to exhibit that daily habit of 10 to 15 minutes of their day spending time in prayer and in reading God's word. But again, we're talking about giving God our best. And if we're going to be honest with ourselves, that's not really the best of our time. Now, the problem is a lot of people aren't even giving the scraps of their time to God. After all that God has given to us, all that God has done to us, a lot of people don't even give God the scraps of their time. And I believe that everybody falls into one of four categories when it comes to our time given to God. One, the the first group of people give God no time. They don't give God any time of their lives. The second group of people, they give God the scraps of their time. The third group is is a group of people who give God a decent amount of their time or a good amount of their time. And the last group of people are are the group of people who give God the best of their time. And everybody's in in a different spot in their life. Everybody's going through different things. But I believe that everybody falls within one of these four categories. They give God no time. They give God scraps of their time. They give God a decent amount of time or a good amount of time. Or they give God the best of their time. And what I would encourage for each and every one of you guys, I would encourage you to honestly evaluate yourselves and honestly decide which of those four categories that you belong to. Do you belong to the group of people who give God no time? Do you belong to the group of people who give God the scraps of your time? Do you belong to the group of people who give God a decent amount of your time? Or do you belong to the group of people that give God the best of their time? And so if you belong to the group of people that give God no time, then I would encourage you and I would challenge you to strive to give God the scraps of your time. If you belong to group number one, uh, people giving God no time, I would encourage you to strive to belong to group number two, where you give God the scraps of your time, where you, where you focus on spending just 10 to 15 minutes a day reading your Bible and praying to God. And again, that is a phenomenal start. That is an excellent start in your walk with God. I mean, if someone here started by giving God no time, and, and within a couple of weeks, they, they could identify themselves as someone who gave God the scraps of your time. You should give yourselves a pat on the back. We, we're, we're, we're not all perfect here. 
Jesus says he, he didn't come for the healthy, but he came for the sick. And I realize that some people might not be giving God any time in their life. And so I would encourage you to move away from that group and move towards giving God the scraps of your time. And again, if you do that, if you make progress, you should be proud of yourself. Now, if you belong to group number two, if you're pretty good about giving God the scraps of your time on a daily basis, if you do a pretty good job uh, of giving God uh, 10 to 15 minutes in prayer and reading your Bible, I want to tell you, good job. You're doing a good job. You're doing better than most Christians. You're doing better than most Christians by giving God 10 to 15 minutes in, uh, of your life on a daily basis. And so I want to encourage you, good job. But I also want to say there's room for improvement. There's room for improvement in giving God our best time. So if you're someone who identifies yourself as giving God the scraps of your time, about 10 to 15 minutes a day, that's a good start, but there's room for improvement. And focus on, on really diving in to the scriptures, and focus on really connecting with God on a personal basis and not just that shallow talk. You know, you see those friends that you see once in a while and you have those shallow conversations that go, how's your day going? Oh, good, yada, yada, yada. But you have those close friends that you really dig deep into it. And if you belong to this group where you give God the scraps of your time, I encourage you to get deep with God. Focus in on God and give God more of your time. If you identify yourselves as a third group of people where you think that you give God a decent or a good amount of your time, I'm telling you, great job. You should be proud of yourself. You should be proud of yourself for giving God more than, than no time and more than the scraps of your time. And so you should be proud of yourself. But at the same time, there's still room for improvement. There's still room for improvement. Uh, Sean Finnegan, uh, he has a podcast uh, called Restitutio. Sean Finnegan, uh, a, 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 a pastor uh, licensed by the Church of God, he has a podcast uh, called Restitutio, which I would recommend uh, to anybody. Uh, but in one of his podcasts, uh, I couldn't remember which one, but I, but I remember ta him talking about in one of his podcasts that he had a friend who loved to watch sports, and I can, I can relate with that. And he loved to watch sports. But this friend of his that he had, he said that he made the decision that however much time he would spend watching sports, he made the decision that he would spend more time reading God's word. Now that is quite a commitment. And Sean said that that man knew the Bible more than just about anybody else that he knew because he devoted to spend more time reading God's word than his favorite hobby or his favorite activity, his favorite thing to do in his leisure time. And so if you're someone who, who falls in this category of giving God a decent amount of your time or, or giving God a good amount of your time, I would encourage you to take on this challenge, to, to devote, to, to spend more time reading God's word and praying to God than your favorite hobby, whether that hobby of yours is watching sports or watching TV or going out, hanging out with friends, whatever it may be. If you're in this group, if you belong in group number three where you give God a good amount of your time, I would challenge you, I would challenge you to, to maybe even try, maybe just for a week, give, give it a week. Give it one week where, where you say, you know what? No matter how much I love to watch sports or TV or hang out with friends, whatever it may be, I'm going to challenge myself that I'm going to read God's word more than I do spending 
uh, whatever else I, I like to do. And so that, that's the challenge I have for you if you belong to group number three. Now, if you belong to group number one where, where you currently don't give God any time, uh, I, I would not recommend that challenge. You're, you're going to get burnt out. You, you got to start somewhere. Start with that 10 to 15 minutes. And so that's if you're group number three. And finally, if you're in group number four, if you give God the best of your time, then I would encourage you, and, and you are a shining example to everybody. And, and I want to encourage you to keep up the good work. You're doing awesome. Keep it up. You are on the right track. John, John Piper, a, a famous uh, pastor, uh, he says, if you must choose between Bible and breakfast, choose Bible and grab an energy bar. Then plan better. Man shall not live by bread alone. I, I, I love that statement. If you must choose between Bible and breakfast, choose Bible and, and grab an en- energy bar. Then plan better. You know, here John, John Piper is telling us that we need to value our time with God even more than, say, breakfast. And a lot of us may use the excuse that, oh, we don't have enough time. <sighs> I had a sneeze coming, but I don't anymore. Uh, but <laughs> if you have enough time to eat in your life, then surely you have enough time to pray and read God's word. And I realize that for a lot of us, if we honestly evaluate ourselves and if we, if we honestly identify ourselves as a group where we don't spend time alone with God, or if we spend the scraps of our time, or if we spend a decent amount of our time, or if we spend the best amount of our time, or if we give God the best of our time. I'm guessing that for a lot of us, this is probably a kick in the butt. This is probably a kick in the butt that, hey, there's room for improvement. Because we want to be a group of people that, that gives God the best of what we have to offer. And, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, I, I'm not at the point where I give God the best of my time in my personal devotional life. I spend a lot of time getting ready for sermons and, and, and lessons like the, the youth group, but I'm not at a point in my life where I give God the best of my time. I have room for improvement as well. And so it's a kick in the rear end for me as well. But I hope if you honestly evaluate yourselves, I hope you see that there is so much room for improvement There's so much room for improvement. And I hope you see that. And I hope you take this as a challenge to give God the best of your time. Or if you're someone who doesn't give God, I I hope this is a challenge to give God the scraps of your time and so forth. What I want you to do is to make progress in the amount of time that you're giving back to God. And the ultimate goal is to give God the best of our time. This past week, um, I, I had the pleasure of spending uh, the majority of my week uh, with fellow pastors in the conference and, and the privilege of uh, spending time with some of uh, the Bible college students down in Atlanta. Um, and uh, it was very refreshing for me to be around a group of people who took their faith very seriously. And the truth of, the matter, truth of the matter is a lot of us need to take our faith more seriously. A lot of us need to be spending more time in our personal relationship with God. And I hope, again, to, to give you a kick in your rear end. I, I hope to spur you on towards wanting to spend more time alone with God. 
a couple of the Bible college uh, students, when I was down there, they, they started a 30-day challenge. Uh, they were challenging themselves to read through the entire Bible in 30 days. And these guys, they have a job. They're, they're taking a full course of classes, and they are attempting to read through the Bible in 30 days. Props to them. Props to them for making that commitment, making that challenge to read through God's Word. And they are truly trying to give God the best of their time. And we can learn from their example and their challenge, and we need to strive to give God the best of our time. No matter where you belong in those four groups, strive to move along to, to group number four, where you give God the best of your time. The least we can do to God is to give him our most valuable resource, which is time. That's the least that we can do because God has done so, so much for us. Most notably, 2,000 years ago, when God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and I. God deserves so much for sending his son on the cross to die for us. So much. I mean, again, I'm just barely beginning to understand the love that a parent has for a child, and it's taking on all the more meaning for me and the love that God has for us. And God has shown his love to us, and it's our job to show our love back to God by spending that time with God, time, our most valuable resource. So if you're an usher, you, you can come on up, and Jen, you can uh, go to the piano as we're going to transition into our communion service. In the book of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 14, uh, near the end of uh, Jesus' life here on earth, in Mark chapter 14 and verses 22 and 25, Jesus sitting down with his disciples in that last supper, and he says in verse 22, and as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. So here again, Jesus took the bread, and he said, this bread represents my body, and this cup represents my blood being poured out for you. But then he says in verse 25, truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruits of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. What an awesome hope that each and every one of us have. That, that, that about 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross for us. But one day, Jesus is coming back to this earth to establish his Father's kingdom. And when he establishes his Father's kingdom, he's going to, to partake of this cup again. He's going to drink of the fruits of the vine that day, and he's going to fellowship with us all. We are all going to be partaking in that fruit of the vine, that, that, that drink with Jesus. And that's the hope that we have. Because, yeah, our time right now is valuable. And it's valuable because there's a limited amount of time that we have. But there's a day coming. There's a day coming where we will have everlasting life. Everlasting life. A never-ending celebration. And that's the hope that we have as Christians. And that hope that we have as Christians is only made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus 2,000 years ago. 
And so as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus had, I encourage you guys to have a smile on your face. Sometimes it's a time of sorrow as we remember the price that was paid. But today I encourage you to take this with joy. That one day Jesus is coming back to establish his Father's kingdom here on earth. And we will partake of the fruit of the vine with Jesus again that day. It's only made possible because of the sacrifice that God and his son Jesus paid nearly 2,000 years ago. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this day. Father, thank you for uh, the sacrifice and sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And Father, I, I pray that we don't take that sacrifice lightly. But Father, I pray that we can look forward to the hope that we have in your coming kingdom where it will be a never-ending celebration. And again, I thank you for the price that was paid, Jesus' body being broken for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
This bread represents Jesus' body being broken for us. Let's partake together. Same day, that same night as Jesus took the bread, he took the cup, and he says, this cup represents my blood being poured out for us. This blood was poured out for each and every one of us so that we can partake in God's coming kingdom. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, this church. Father, I thank you for your son. Um, I thank you for the love that you had for your son, Jesus. And Father, I thank you for the love that you have for each and every one of us on an individual level. And Father, we long for the day when your son Jesus returns to this earth. And Father, we recognize the price that was paid to make it all possible, to make it all possible for us to partake in your coming kingdom. And Father, we look forward to that day. We love you. We pray that Jesus may come soon. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This cup represents Jesus' blood being poured out for us. Let's partake together.
Father God, I just thank you for uh, the sacrifice paid. Father, I thank you for the hope that we have in your coming kingdom. Father, I pray that that day comes soon. I pray that day comes where, where we will have everlasting life, where you yourself will dwell with us on earth, where everything wrong with this world will be made right. And Father, I pray that that can be our hope day in and day out. And Father, I, I pray that we, can, that we recognize that it was only made possible through the sacrifice of your perfect son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you for that love that you extended to us through that sacrifice. And I thank you for being a good, good father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.